You know the vibes! Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast, brought to you by NBA 2K24. Make sure you get your copy in the description. Myself, Mamutsi, alongside me, as always, the one, uh, three-time NBA champion. Sorry, the three-time NBA champion, mm. Mr. BJ Armstrong. BJ, how have you been? Oh, it's been great. Fantastic. Looking forward to seeing you this week mm-hmm. in the great city of Indianapolis, the great state of Indiana. But what's on these Is it going to be super cold? It's going to be very, very cold. So get yourself ready. Oh. It's going to be very cold. Fabulous city. Good food, though. Good food there. Yeah. Good basketball. And yep. uh, you and I will be at All-Star. Yes, sir. Know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We will be. Uh, BJ, we'll have a table ready at the club for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there must be another another guy you'll be talking about. <laughs> you should you're know about, by now. I ain't talking about, about no damn guys. Yeah, you're, you're about three decades late <laughs> to the party. <laughs> I'm going to get you one day, OG. I'm going to get you one day. But um, before we get to the basketball, did you enjoy the Super Bowl? I did. I thought it was a very, it was a great game to watch. Very competitive. And Patrick Mahomes is just a terrific athlete, terrific quarterback. Have you got an NBA mm-hmm. comparison for me? He's a generational talent. Talent. So you know, as far as com- competing, I mean, comparing, I do not. However, he is a very special talent in his own way. And Some, when you see generational talent, you don't compare them to, you know, you'll see something for the first time. He He's an interesting combination because he can make every throw. He manages the game beautifully. And he's a he's a big man, right? He's he's big. And he's just a, he's a unique player. But well, I, I can well, tell I, you this, like the there haven't been a lot of combinations with him. There hasn't the, been a lot of combinations. The comparisons are good because when people don't know about a sport, so if someone explained it to me, they were like, Patrick Mahomes is like the Steph Curry of NFL. I said, all right, well, cool. no, this key key is, you know, he 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 is as unique of a player that we've seen at his position because, like well, we've seen we've seen stuff before. We just haven't seen it. In my opinion, we've seen stuff. We've seen a lot of great shooters, right? We've seen the Reggie Millers, the but Ray Allen at the point guard position. What makes it fascinating now is that there is no point guard position. They're all scorers. They're like scoring guards. Yeah, but Reggie and Ray are much bigger than Steph. Okay, what I mean by that is we've seen players that can shoot. We haven't seen a player that shoot the volume the, that the he volume, shoot. yeah. <laughs> that he's it's just it's we haven't seen that before. Mm. Okay, now I would venture to say if Reggie Miller was playing in this era and Ray Allen was playing in this era and there's, you know, there's been some players who could shoot. It's just that we've never seen a player shoot at this level with the volume. And I'm not taking away anyone, but there was just a different game back then. Yeah. That was a different game. So, um, but this kid here, he is just unique for what he does. Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't, I don't know if you can really compare, you know, and, and I don't like comparing players anyway, but I would say this, like when you see, like when you saw Shaq, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? When you saw Wilt Chamberlain, I would assume for the first time, when you saw Michael Jordan, 
when you saw Magic Johnson, you go, oh, that's a generational talent. You know, um, he's just, he's, you know, we'll see how great he is. You know, when you start comparing him to like a Tom Brady, for instance, you know, he's, he's a little different than Tom Brady and Tom Brady and Joe Montana and those guys, those names. So he's just, let's just watch him to see what he's going to be and admire him. But I would venture to say he probably could play in any era and he would figure it out. He's okay. that good. Okay. Okay. Well, in the meantime, the, my favorite part about the Super Bowl, BJ, is that when the Super Bowl finishes, everyone stops talking about that American football running around with the helmets. And now we can finally focus everyone's eyes on the basketball. Okay. Um, we have the trade deadline. You know, your rule to start the season is you want to see 25 games to see how mm-hmm, everyone fits mm-hmm. in. After the trade deadline, how many games do you think it takes for things to get back to normal? Because the night before the trade deadline, the night after the trade deadline, I don't really count them as real nights in the NBA. Because, you know, everyone's, some, some like the Knicks had eight healthy players. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of people mm-hmm. are moving parts and unavailable and whatnot, whatnot. So how long does it take for after the trade deadline for you to give an assessment of a team? What, 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 what normally happens is after all-star break, that's when the coaches will have this little window of time to assess what they have and to figure out with these last 25 to 30 games, what's, what's going to, what they're going to need to happen in order to make this playoff push. Right. You know, the ball, your Celtics are up like four or five games some teams are saying they'll start looking at like seedings to say who they think they could match up with. They will never admit that, but you start looking, mm-hmm. you know, if you're the second seed who, you know, you start looking at, you know, who's seven, you know, if you're yeah. four, you're looking at five. And, and for the most part, those 30 games will be played at a higher level because you have the teams now trying to get into the play in, you got the teams trying to, hang on to the, you know, top 60, top six seeds. So these games will be played at a much higher level. So I expect them now to start playing every game as if they all matter, but now they'll be crucial and it'll be a lot more emphasis on these games, especially as they come down the home stretch. Okay, well, a team that's not going to be worried about who they're matching up seeding-wise and what their team looks like is the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Another season without the playoffs for the team in Charlotte. And today we got the news that Charlotte Hornets president of basketball operations, Mitch Kupchak, who was formerly with the Lakers, right, Um, is stepping down to become an organizational advisor, clearing the way for the franchise to begin an immediate search for a new head of basketball operations. What does this mean for the fans, BJ? What does, can you explain this to them? What does this mean? Well, in I, terms of a head of basketball operations versus a GM versus what's he now an organizational advisor, all these different names given to jobs. Well, what what traditionally happens is when you have new ownership or new a new majority owner there in Charlotte, you'll start seeing things begin to reassess or reassign uh, people who are under contract. I don't know if he's still under contract or not. And you'll start to bring in new people to lead an organization in the direction of the new leadership or the, in this case, the new governor. So this is very common in the NBA. And 
you know, what direction are they going to take? What, you know, are they going to bring in experience uh, executives? Are they going to start fresh? Are they going to be, you know, a team, you know, that's going to look to build their team under what type of, what's the characteristics they'll try to, to, you know, do. So I think we have to wait and see that. Um, I'm sure they have some people in mind that they would like to, to, you know, maybe interview so forth and so on. But uh, this is very common practice in the NBA. And, and, but more importantly, we'll see how it all works out because in the end, you know, you and I, by next year, this time we'll be able to reass- we'll be able to assess what they knew and what yep. they didn't know based on their record. So, yep, uh, that, that, that's how it works. Well, what they do have is Lamelo Ball locked up until twenty twenty nine. Grant Williams, Brandon Miller, Nick Smith Jr. until twenty twenty seven, and then a bunch of guys: uh, Misich, Martin, Nick Richards. They come off the books um, in twenty twenty six. And then everyone else kind of expires either this season or next season. But if there is one person who can fix that team over there, he does join us on the podcast every Monday. And that's Mr. Scott Perry. So, um, BJ, who's the new owner of the Hornets? Um, Gabe, uh, what's his name? Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnell. Fellas, if you're listening... I'd recommend Scott Perry. Yes, yes. I mean, Scott would be... listen. Scott is, he's one of the premier executives in this league. And I've, and I'm not just saying that because he is a friend of the show. I mean, he's just very competent in, in what he's done. I mean, his track record speaks for itself. He's a, you know, they won a championship there in Detroit. He was part of the Oklahoma City Thunder when they drafted Kevin Durant and Jeff Green and all those guys. And, and look at what the Knicks are doing now with the with the look foundation. What the Knicks that are he doing built. he the foundation Julius Randle and all those people came in on his clock. You know Mitchell Robinson, you know uh, R.J. Barrett, so forth and so on. What he was able to do, he just understands this business and he understands the culture. But more importantly, he understands the people in the business. He understands what it takes to win. So to anyone that's looking to rebuild or build or, or get an organization where it needs to be, to be able to compete at a championship level. You know, I, I would endorse Scott Perry every day of the week uh, for that, because he's just one of the best in the business, no doubt about it. Very well respected. So um, hopefully he'll get an opportunity if, if there's the right fit for him and the Charlotte Hornets, but that would be an excellent choice. That's, that's absolutely facts. Uh, on the other end of the scale, a uh, team that has experienced lots of success, unlike the Charlotte Hornets, the Golden State Warriors. Clay Thompson has said that he's open to a reduced role if it means staying with the Warriors for a longer time. He says, I'll be 35 next year, 35 coming off an ACL and Achilles tear, and still have the ability to be a really, really good player. Maybe not the guy who scored 60 and three quarters and scored an NBA record 37 points in the quarter, but still a great threat. I modeled my game after Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, and those guys were incredibly effective until their late 30s. So I plan on kind of following that mold. So we're imagining a Ray Allen at the Miami Heat type Clay Thompson, which I think is fantastic news for the Warriors, who were a little worried that he's going to be commanding a max salary or whatever his demands may have been. Who's this? Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson wants to stay with the Warriors, even if it's a reduced role. Um, 
so now with them being a, a huge spender as it is already, how does this help them? Because they're already at the second apron. So it's Clay's money coming off the books. They can't just go out and use that $30 million to go get new players, can they? No, I believe so. It's so many rules. I don't have it there in front of me, but I will say this. Well, $43 million, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I will say this. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch Clay, you know, and 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 where he kind of settles and fits in because – you know, you got you have a couple things going here. One, you have a player who has who has been an all-star caliber player for many years. Clearly, what he's done speaks for itself. But what is this going to look like for him, and where where will he settle? When I say settle, what's his market at this stage of his career? And a lot of times, you know, there was a, some talk. I think he rejected or it was at least reported that he was offered a, a contract earlier in the season and he turned it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it, it, that's, if that's a report. So we'll see how this plays out. You know, clearly to have an opportunity. One of the things that, you know, very rarely do you see is a, a player will spend his entire career with an organization and we'll see what direction that this Warriors team will go in. And financially, that will play, that will have, you know, that, that'll play a part in their decision making. Clearly, what he's done there, they they appreciate what he's done and and they'll look at that. But that's good to know, I think, from the warrior standpoint, but at what at what cost? And that to me is going to probably be the deciding factor on whether he stays there or has to continue his career elsewhere. So um, it's a fascinating take by him, but I think it was very reflective and to be able to be honest with yourself where you're at in your career at any given time. I mean, he's what, 34, 35 now? 35 so, next year. Yeah. yeah so that's, uh, that makes, that, that's, uh, you know, I, I applaud players as they move on in their career because the ball stopped bouncing for everyone. And mm-hmm. uh, for him to be able to say that, I think that was a big step. Yep. Well, the Warriors, since Draymond Green has returned, have actually been playing really nice basketball. They're a team that I'm really keeping an eye on over in the uh, Western Conference. They're seven and three over the last 10, little four game win streak that they're on right now. But mm-hmm. uh, what I wanted to talk to you about today is the Cleveland Cavaliers. We talked about them a little bit yesterday with Scott as to why they weren't in our top fives. And I wanted to ask you this, BJ. They've had a really, really great run recently, a great winning streak. But when you look at the standings, currently they're second in the East. Uh, they just mm-hmm. lost to the Sixers as we're recording this. They're 35 and 17, but they're 22 and two against teams below 500 and only 13 and 15 against teams above 500. And when you really look at that huge kind of winning streak where they only lost one or two games, the the wins against the Clippers and the Bucks, I think they had two wins against the Bucks and one against the Clippers. They were the only really tough opponents that they faced. The, the rest of it is Toronto who are rebuilding Brooklyn kind of in medium rebuild Washington Sacramento, I guess you could put as a good team. Um, but then the Spurs, Memphis, Detroit, Atlanta, Chicago. Do you know what I mean? So when teams get hot like this in the regular season, how much does that kind of not just boost their confidence, but as a player, if you're running through some of the bottom feeder teams in the in in the NBA, it does that make it easier or harder when you come up against good opponents? Because you could kind of be overconfident now that you've won these. 20 out of your last 23 games. 
Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, well, the, the thing in the playoffs is when, you, when you're playing in the playoffs, you're playing against a team that's going to take away your first or second option, depending on how good they are once the playoffs begin. So, you know, the first rule is beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Check for the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have terrific talent. They will overwhelm you with their size and athletic ability if you allow them, especially with Mobley and those guys. And then they have a guard in in in, in, in Mitchell that can go out there and, and score at any given moment. Garland can do the same. Um, so when you have this type of talent, you're going to win your fair share of games just because they, you know, those guys are like all-star caliber players. Okay. Now the thing for them is what's going to happen when people start taking away your options. And that to me <laughs> is going to be the question for them because last year they were rated or they were seated higher than the New York Knicks and the Knicks beat them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you have Jared Allen. Okay. Now uh, you, you have these players here and you're saying, okay, you know, you have Donovan Mitchell. Okay. At what point are you going to start looking around and saying, we have to be able to play And not just rely on our talent because you're going to need your talent. However, to win a series, now you got to start relying on all the other detailed things. And one of the detailed things is you got to learn how to win when you're not playing your best basketball because the other team is going to take away something. Now, this team right now is in the second, you know, their, their seat is second if the playoffs were to begin today. So we would at the very least expect this team to get to the second round. Okay. At, at yeah. the very yeah. least. Yeah. You're the okay. second seed right now. That's, yeah, that's yeah, the yes. yes. So, but when you start playing against teams and they start taking away things, then you start seeing who this team really is. Now, like tonight, all right, every team loses games, right? And, and everyone is good. You hear me say that all the time. But I fully expected them to beat a team, the Philadelphia 76ers tonight. Yeah. Especially at home. OK, yep. and these are the things that concern me about Cleveland, because you get excited about Cleveland and all of a sudden, all right, you lose a game like this on the road. You go, OK, but you're losing a game like this at home and you you're you're fully healthy. And, you know, they got Buddy Hill, who just came over there. I think this is who his had second a great game. game. Had I a think great Paul game. Reed, Kelly Oubre, you know, uh, Kenyon Martin, I believe, started, you know, Tyrese Maxey. And then all of a sudden, Cameron Payne gets 15 points or so off the bench, and then they win the game. And you're going, wait a minute. You, you, you know what I mean? It's like little things and, like and, this. And to be fair, the Sixers were up 10 with like two minutes left. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so there's things like this. The NBA is really good. However, as you start getting down the stretch and you start seeing teams begin to separate themselves, because it's been a fascinating year. We're at the All-Star weekend, and we're just starting to see – teams begin to separate themselves but most of it's been due to injury not because one team is just yeah separating it, it's you know so it's been a kind of an odd year uh in that regard but you know look we we all have bad losses um but you would think that there will be at this stage of the game a little bit more attention to detail especially with cleveland and um 
you know, all games count. So this one is, this will probably sting a little bit more than others. Well, right now, as we speak, the Denver Nuggets are down 20 points in Milwaukee against the Bucks. It looks like the Milwaukee Bucks heard they weren't in my top five yesterday and took that one a little bit personally. But this is what I mean about, you know, things after the trade deadline taking a little bit of time to kind of go back to normal or should we be believing this and a team's showing who they can really be now that the the finish line so to speak is in sight yeah you know like i said well it, it it's it's all about matchups it's just about taking care of the games you're supposed to take care of you won't always defend home court you want to be playing your best basketball when it counts so as much as I want to read into the regular season, a lot of times, Mo, it's just about being and playing against a team that you may play a well against for whatever the reason may be. So I don't, I don't want to put too much into it, but I will say this. You want to be as sharp as you can, and you, for sure, you want to be able to defend home court because if you're coming into the playoffs and you lose that home court advantage, especially to a team that has the expectations to win. You know, once that big momentum gets in the other team's locker room mode and you have to sit in that city for two or three days and listen about how well the other team is playing after one game, well, it's a different response than when if you lose, like, for instance, Cleveland lose tonight, well, they just move on to the next game. Mm -hmm. Well, you lose now, Philly beats you without Joel Embiid. You got to listen to the game, too, for like three or four days mm -hmm. about – Oh, Joel's coming back. Well, they beat him in the game one for sure. So you don't know how teams are going to react under that duress as well. So I don't want to read too much into it, but nice job by the Sixers. And you just want to be playing at least with the confidence that, that your team and your organization needs as you head into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Mavericks put a beat down on the OKC Thunder on Sunday. Um, right now they're down significantly to the Wizards in the third quarter. So it's the regular season. Um there is one more thing I wanted to ask you about. Mark Stein said today that the Hawks could ultimately decide to keep DeJounte Murray and trade Trey Young this offseason instead. Of course, DeJounte Murray was in all of the trade rumors all year long. I like that move a lot. Now, I'm not got anything against Trey Young. I think he's a fantastic offensive talent. But um, if you're the Atlanta Hawks, what, what do you think of that move, BJ? If you had to pick one of them to stay on your team, which one would you have as your point guard? Well, and this isn't, listen, I don't know. However, as you know what I like, what I like, I always build my team around defense, right? Mm -hmm. Defense wins. It's just, it, it, it doesn't matter about who our personal favorites are. If you want to win, well, you got to be able to defend. That's just no, it, it, there's no way to get around it. And you have to be able to defend, especially at that position, at the lead guard position. So if you're asking me, I don't have a problem saying that, you know, if I look at it from the outside in, I'm going, okay, Deontay Murray, I think, is a, is a better defensive player. I don't think, you know, you can make an argument however you want to make it. But Trace, I Trace think, has some really good clutch moments defensively, but it's a full four yeah. minutes out there. And, you know, and how you want to build your team. But that's just me. Now, when you start building a team, you have to take the good with some things, and there's no perfect player. Um, and that's not to say one or another. But if you're asking me right now, 
this team has a lot of expectations. They have two players, right? Both of them have been all-stars. I think Trey Young is an all-star this year. Yep. Replacing we'll him down in Indianapolis. So they have two all-star caliber guards. Mm-hmm. Clint Capella. They have some really good players. My question is, why isn't this team performing at a higher clip? Yeah. Okay. That, that Now, I'm not blaming either one of the players that we're – you know, currently discussing. But what I'm saying is this team, I mean, both of those guys are like on max deals or somewhere near it, right? (laughs) Okay. So is it fair for us to say they should be in the playoffs? Where where are they? What's their, what's their standing right now? They're like 24 and 26 or something. Okay. Um, They are 10th right now. Yeah. 24 and 29. I, I, oh, something less. has to happen. Something has to happen there. And if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think you got to look to move one of them. I think that will be obvious and figuring out which direction you, you want to go in. And for me, if it comes down to how to build a team, you know, I'm going to always choose that side of the game because defense just wins. It's just very simple. You know, if you want to play – Winning a winning brand of basketball, you got to be able to play consistent on that uh, on that end. Well, and if, that to me doesn't. If Trey Young is moved, the team at the top of the list that everyone's talking about is the San Antonio Spurs. And BJ, let me read you this: the game between the Raptors and the Spurs just finished. I'm going to read you the stat line: 27 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, two steals, and 10 blocks. And of those 27 points, only five of them came from the free throw line. Um, an efficient 10 and 14 from the field. Victor Wembenyama doing what he does best. He could easily just go through and grab triple doubles at this rate. He only played 29 minutes, which is a lot for him given his recent minutes restriction uh, tonight in the game for San Antonio. How do you like that pairing of Trey and Victor? Because I think it's perfect for Trey Young's defensive liability to have a player like Victor on his team who can erase all of his mistakes. And then offensively, a point guard like Trey Young and Victor Wembanyama is a very, very dangerous combination. Yeah, I listen. I'm not worried about Victor. And I'm not worried about combinations. Okay? I'm going to say this. When you are... It's, it's one thing I've learned about playing with bigs. You have to you have to put other big players around them, and the reason being is because Victor Wimbanyama. If you're going to build a team around him, two things are absolutely necessary. One, you better be a big team at every position. Okay, you better be a big team. Why? Is because your best player is big. Your best player is going to require you to do a couple things. I'm going to have to throw him the ball in the post at some point. Okay. When you have bigs, you normally play with big guards, right? Mm -hmm. You have Kareem and you'll have Magic. You have Kareem, you'll have Oscar Robinson. (laughs) You have Shaq, you'll have Kobe. You always want to be big at your position. The reason being you want to be big at your position is because you want to be able to take advantage of the second thing that's absolutely necessary when you're playing with a Victor Wimbanyama. You want to be able to switch. 
Okay. You want to be able to switch. Why? Because Victor, Victor Wimbenyama's greatest asset as a player, if you're evaluating him, is his versatility. He's literally a five, if so be it. He's a four. He's a three. I mean, the, I saw the guy do the sham guy. I, I'm just going to say he's everything. <laughs> like <laughs> the guy has handles. He's he's nutmegging players <laughs> during the course of a real game in the NBA. So if suddenly you're not able to switch and be versatile on the defensive end, to me, you're compromising his greatness. Now, that's just me, right? If you have a player with this level of versatility and you can't switch, now you just got to use him in a way where he, the only thing you can do is funnel the players to him. To me, it's limiting, it's limiting him and his ability. So Trey Young is a phenomenal player. Phenomenal. However, when you're matching players, I like to take advantage of their natural gifts. A natural gift would be, let's play, let's get a big guard. Like for instance, the guard I would love to see if it were me would be a, a player like Amen uh, Thompson. Mm-hmm. The defense would be scary. I, I, I want to be big. I want to be big at why? Because I would imagine in the Western Conference, you're going to see Shea Alexander at yep. some point. Luka yep. <laughs> okay? Doncic. Uh, you're, okay, now you're talking to me. See, I'm trying to win. Now, <laughs> nothing against the other players. However, those guys are just big. Mm -hmm. Okay, now if you give me A-Man Thompson, I'm just using him as a, with his size, I can match up with Jamal Murray now. I can match up with Shea Alexander. I'm not saying I can stop these guys. I can match up with Luka Doncic. I can match up with De'Aaron Fox. I can match up with John Morant. It's all about the matchups for me. So I would take that into consideration. However, if you just look at the stats and offensively and alley-oops, yeah, I, I, I'm not arguing that. But when you get down to the playoffs mode, which... We, we always talk about what's going to happen in the playoffs. And suddenly LeBron has been playing the point guard position for a large portion of the year. D'Lo is now playing it. Size matters, especially when you start getting to that, you know, to that level, you know, someone's got to guard these guys. So I would take that into consideration. However, you know, that's just my philosophy. And if you're going to play in today's game, you have to be able to switch because of the isolation basketball that these players play. And, and, and I'll give it a prime example. It's going to be interesting to see the Conley Rudy Gobert combination. Once the playoffs begin, mm. Rudy Gobert in the regular season, you can funnel everything to him. Da, 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 da. Okay. But I remember when they were the first seed and they were knocked out because of what I'm saying. And that to me, and as great of a defensive player, this guy is defensive player of the year. What, a couple times. More I think it's, a, it, yeah, I think it's, that's something you have to consider as you're making these decisions. And maybe, maybe they can figure it out. And I'm not saying they can't, but is this something to consider as you're trying to build your team? Yep. No, I hear it. It does make sense. It does make sense. But that's another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. Make sure you subscribe. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back 
tomorrow with another one we appreciate you all tuning in if you're not in the discord yet make sure you get in the discord too that's linked below in the description and until next time get buckets